Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Hey, you guys. Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. I am so excited to be here with you guys today. And I want to talk about something that's been bouncing around, ricocheting around in my old noggin. So today we're going to talk about uh, the extraordinary in the ordinary. The extraordinary in the ordinary. So um, I've been thinking about this topic for a couple of different reasons. Um, every once in a while, I'll be thinking about uh, Jesus. <laughs> As funny as that sounds. So if you can see behind me, if you if you are watching this instead of listening to it, you look back there, you see I got a bunch of different cool paintings and artwork of uh, of Jesus. And here's the thing. I don't consider myself a wicked. It's not like a religious thing so much as I was raised a Catholic kid, but it's more like a um, storyteller thing and a spiritual thing where there's so many fantastic stories about just mystically, mystically, right? And kind of uh, mythically, I think of it this way too, um, about Jesus and who he was and how he was and the way he loved and the way he showed up in the world. So this does not require you to be uh, quote unquote religious in any way to understand what I'm talking about. Um, I just think of Jesus, Jesus is like right over there with like Mr. Rogers and Oprah and my mom and a bunch of other things. Right. Um, and these are the reminders for me of the extraordinary in the ordinary in a lot of different ways. So Jesus was this dude who there's a saying, or there's a story about how, and this is the hot beat. So this is what happens. So today I'm outside, I'm running. It's like hotter than Hades. I'm freaking dying out there. It's like sucking wind, right? Oh, it was not soothing. It was like, I swear to God, it was like 95 degrees. And KK is like, yeah, let's go for a run after the gym. That makes sense. And while I was out there, I just start, I start talking to my spiritual team. I start doing this thing. And all of a sudden Jesus pops up into my head. And I remember this story about like how it's, it's the saying is I'm, I might be butchering it a little bit. So you good Christian people, forgive me, those of you who are Christians, but it's something like, ah, uh, Jesus could perform no miracles in his own hometown. He could get no honor. The guy could get no, like no street credit in his own hometown. And the problem was, is because the people there and I've talked about this a little bit on, on, on another episode, I think maybe on the, um, imposter syndrome episode, I brought this up, but it bounced back around into my head again today. So he could not perform miracles in his own hometown because the people there did not believe in him. They could not affirm him. They could not see him as he really was. And so to break it down like blue collar style, I always say, yeah, they look at him and they're like, oh, there's Jesus. He's just a woodworker. He's just a carpenter. He's not performing any kind of miracles. He's not the son of God. He's just the kid from around the way. He's a bum. He's a no good bum, <laughs> right? So there he is traveling like the rest of like the area, 
going to places and he's like raising the dead and healing the sick and walking on water and turns you know water into wine he's doing all this cool shit but in all these magical things but in his own hometown like people just can't get behind him because they cannot see him clearly they have lost sight they are not able to see his extraordinary because they keep trying to put him and keep him in the ordinary box. They keep trying to say, oh, that's just that kid I grew up with. Oh, that's just my sister. Oh, that's just my whoever, right? Oh, that's just the guy that I know. That's just my friend Tom or whatever the thing is. And it got me thinking about this too, because somebody who I hope to have on my podcast uh, sometime uh, in the near future, uh, Mike Kim. Mike Kim did a video one day where he was talking about, he was getting ready to go on stage. Um, and he's behind the scenes. He's like behind the curtain. The room is like filling up or whatever. And he starts talking about one of his buddies. And I don't remember what the guy's name is. Um, it just happened really quick. And I just caught like the end of it or whatever. But he's like, I'm back here about to get on stage. And he's like here to like, you know, he, his friend, it's his friend's event, his friend's big event. He's just one of the speakers. Um, and as he's talking, like his pal, like walks by and he said something like this again, Mike, if you're listening, I don't think you are, but if you are, I apologize if I don't get this right. But he said something like, this is my buddy and we're friends, but I don't get too familiar with him. And I thought, what is, what is he talking about? Like, what do you mean? You don't want to get familiar with your friend. And then I realized what he was talking about, which is. I don't take my proximity and intimacy and closeness with this person for granted in that I get blinded by who he really is and what he's really capable of. So let me give you an example. I think one of the things that happens, I think there's an old saying that says familiarity breeds contempt or something like that. And I think one of the things that happens sometimes is we get around people and because we have the in and out, the day-to-day, -day, the very human, the sometimes clumsy, right? Interactions with people. As we start to kind of like, and, and I've seen people do it, right? I always say to people like, please don't put me up on a pedestal because you guys will move me. I'm not talking about my listeners right now. I'm just saying, don't put me on a pedestal because people love to move you right from the pedestal to the, to the cross. They love to, they love to raise you up and then friggin' crucify you. Right? Because I see it in the culture. People love to lift, 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 lift people up, put them up on a pedestal. And the second they find out they're human, they go for the jugular, right? They love to crucify people. So I always say, hey, look, number one, I'm very human. Don't put me up on a pedestal. Uh, number two, I am nobody's guru. Like, I, please don't put that on me. I am here to help and guide as best I can, but you are your own teacher. I'm an external teacher who's gonna keep pointing back to your internal teacher, right? Because I think what happens is we love to build people up. And then as a society, we also love to tear people down. And then we go, oh, see, they're just this. They were never that. And for me, even if there's somebody who I have admired or loved or was friends with or whatever, and that relationship like ends or whatever, for whatever reason, I don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. I can still give people credit for their extraordinary gifts, for their talents, for what they do well, right? I don't have to vilify the whole situation, right? 
And, and so I just think it's one of these things sometimes where when we are in close proximity to things, and this is what Mike was pointing to, and this is what I'm pointing to with this story about Jesus, because I think it's in the ego mind to do this. The ego mind loves to separate. It loves to make things special and it loves to make things shitty, right? This is what, this is what the ego mind does is it loves, first of all, to keep us stuck in the loop of belief of separation from our source, from spirit, from God. It loves to make us make almighty and all powerful. Like it loves, the ego loves to make us God. P.S. By the way, we love to think, oh, I've actually been successful in killing God because now I'm running the show. This is my world, right? But what happens is we have these amazing beings in our world and then we start to get familiar with them and we become friends with them and they start to lose their polish a little bit. They start to lose their shine a little bit in our eyes, right? And then we start to take them for granted a little bit. And I've seen it so much as a writer, right? I've seen it so much in my friends who are creatives. You know, like one of my friends will have like a best-selling book and everybody else is just like, oh, that's just so-and-so. He's just like, ah, yeah, whatever, whatever, another book, another book. I'm like, oh my God, do you know what it took to write that thing? Do you know how long it took? Like, I live with another fellow creative. First of all, I'm trying to write a memoir right now. I can tell you, it is no joke. It is legit no joke to create something like that. I see my sweetie go down into the basement and come out like, you know, a week later with like a friggin' album practically. And I'm like, oh my God. And that's one of the things I've been living with him for like, let's see, 15, close to 15 years now. And I still light up when he walks in a room. I still see him. I still see his humanness. I, I was saying to him this morning, I, you still get on my nerves sometimes, right? We're still human beings, but I never lose sight of his extraordinariness. I just don't. It's the same thing with my friends, the same things with, you know, the people close to me because, and, I, and I'm sending this little love letter out. The reason why I'm talking about this and the reason why this is so important to me is that I see so many people get stopped in their tracks. You know, I, I did a, um, a, my episode on stay off the grass. And one of the things I was saying is when you are trying to create something new, and that can literally be something you're writing, music, dance, art a business, an idea, whenever you're trying to create something, and we're all creative, P.S. by the way, we're all creative in some way. When you're trying to create something, we need people who can cheerlead us and affirm us and celebrate us. We need some good balcony people around us. And what happens so often is we don't have those people. Your parents don't get it, especially if you're doing something that none of them do understand, are smart enough to get, or just aren't interested in, right? They cannot see the extraordinariness of you. They cannot see your brilliance. They cannot bolster it up. They can't um, cheerlead it. Because they just see you as like, oh, you know, and I see it a lot in families where people try to keep each other in these little boxes and they lose sight of, oh, yeah, they might just be your brother, your cousin, whoever, but they're still doing extraordinary things. And I remember seeing an interview once with Oprah, like way back in the day. And it was like, um, it was a panel of like four or five women. And they were all women who had famous sisters. And I remember Madonna's sister being on that stage and listening to their stories. And I thought it was so fascinating 
because you got these people like to the rest of the world it's like holy shit it's madonna but to the people who grew up with them it's just like oh yeah that's my sister and so a lot of that kind of like magic can get lost and i understand why but what i'm trying to extend to you guys today is to not lose first of all the ability to be in the present moment with the person or the piece of art or the music or the song or the book or whatever that's in front of you don't lose your ability to recognize the extraordinary in the ordinary and then also for the love of jesus christ and all things holy do not lose sight of your own extraordinariness just because the knuckleheads around you <laughs> the knuckleheads around you cannot reflect it back to you and i think it's one of the things we do right again when we get too close or we spend too much time i see it in marriages you ever you know you ever just have a couple of friends you're out with or whatever where you're and you see like one of them's telling a story and the other one is like rolling their eyes like oh this shit again like here we go again like burr, 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 right so we kind of lose our patience with each other. We, we kind of lose again like that. Uh, every once in a while, I'm like, we need to keep that polished, yo. You need to be able to look at this person and still see their shine. Not let things get too tarnished over time. And to not overstep boundaries too. Like, you know, I've spent some time around when I lived out in Los Angeles, et cetera, et cetera. But I've spent a little bit of time in my life around famous people. And you can see sometimes when people cross a line, right? They get too familiar and not in a good way. And, and I remember every once in a while, I'll hear the sound in my head, like my stepfather. So my stepfather used to say, say this, <laughs> used to say a lot of things, but I remember hearing this come out of his mouth. I don't know how many times as a kid, who the fuck do you think you're talking to? You think I'm just some bum off the street? <laughs> I'm just, I just always remember this right? That idea of like, oh, so whatever's being communicated right now, he feels like it's being disrespectful. And I see people being disrespectful to each other really quite often. I see it at the grocery store. I definitely see it online in the comments of things. I see people's reactions. It's a lot easier to be that way when you get uh, a screen between you and the other person because you don't have to pay the price or the consequence of seeing how the other person feels when they have to hear your bullshit, your toxic mean bullying bullshit right so i think one of the things you guys is this is just and maybe it's because this month in the nest we're talking about balcony people and we're talking about edifying people and we're talking about building people up and we're talking about being able to receive affirmation ourselves in the ways that we kind of cock block love and like we put up our defenses and we won't allow ourselves to to also be be um you know uh, recognized for our own brilliance and it's like a two-way thing it's a give and take thing and if we're not willing to cheerlead others and be um, a balcony person for others and make time for others and to, to celebrate others and to do love shout outs and to, uh, you know, just recognize the brilliance of our brothers and sisters. 
it's really easy to focus on the bullshit, right? Because we have a negative bias in our brain. It's always looking for what's wrong and what's going to hurt and what's going to attack and all that stuff. So, you know, training the mind to look for what is good, beautiful, and holy. Training the mind to not get too familiar that we lose the ability. Like, it's like, it's like, you know, I used to live on a lake. I had a house that I owned, um, a small little cottage house on a lake. And I lived there for like um, seven years and I loved it. And I loved it so much. It was literally like 15 feet from the water. It was amazing. Um, And I never, as far as I can tell in my own memory, I never took living there for granted. I would like look out the windows. I had these big windows. It's a tiny little place, like not even a thousand square feet. And I would look out the window and I would just think, oh my God, like I get to live on a body of water. Me, this kid from Lawrence, Mass, had a lake house and it was tiny, but it didn't matter. I had some of my best years there, right? Me and my dog, Abby, and oh my God, you guys. So what I'm saying is, I would wake up every day in in gratitude and recognition of how cool that was. And it didn't lose its shine to me. And I was never like over it, (laughs) right? Like over it. Yeah. mm, Over it. Because we do that. We do that to people sometimes. So I just want you to, um, you know, check yourself. If you find yourself doing that with somebody else, like somebody comes to you and they're all excited and they show you their thing. And then you just, will not give the credit. You just won't recognize it. And also how we might be doing that to ourselves because we're not get a lot, getting a lot of that in our own lives. So we forget to see the own extraordinariness in us, that we are children of God, that we are extensions of love, that we are the light of the gosh dang world, you guys. And it can really be easy in a world that is so competitive and so performative and so about perfection and posing and making everything look a particular way, right? It can be really easy too to get, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not disappointed. It's like, um, man, I'm so aggravated. I can't think of it. It's right on the tip of my tongue. Disillusioned. We can become a little disillusioned. And I, I always say there's a difference between being childish and childlike. And I have always held on to, ask anybody who really knows me, I have held on to a shit ton of childlike wonder, right? I really do. I'm a realist too. Don't get me wrong. I can see what's in front of me. I know what's what. But I still hold on to a certain amount of like innocence, you know? I still hold on to possibility and dreams in that there is wonder and that there is um, enthusiasm and beauty uh, in all of us, no matter how many times we might've gotten it wrong. We have never lost the divine spark, the shine in our heart that we belong to the beloved. So you guys, if you've been feeling a little like ho-hum just about yourself, your business, your life, everything, it's like, it's time to do a little, little, little spit polish, you guys. Get your rags out, shine those things right up. You might be taking your dog for granted. You know, you might be looking at your car like, oh, uh, time for a new model. And I'm always like, hey, maybe, I mean, maybe it is. 
but we can get into that pattern of, of losing the ability. We get bored easy. We become so impatient, right? Like right now, everything is like fast and hustle and get the new and get the ba 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 the next version of the iPhone, the next version of the thing, the next version of the thing, right? And we have treasures right in front of our eyes. But we've lost sight. We've lost the ability. So take a look around, take a look around at the people you live with in the same house and ask myself, what, what is the extraordinary that I'm not seeing here? Or maybe you do, maybe some of you are just walking around with your love glasses on all the time and amen, double amen hands, hallelujah to that. But take a look at the creatures, the animals, the people right within your home. And then like go out onto your balcony if you're in an apartment or into your yard or your street or whatever and take a look around at your neighbors and take a look around at the people in your life and just kind of let that vision, that Christ vision as I like to call it, right? As they sometimes call it, of looking for the divine, the good, the holy, the beautiful in one another. Don't lose sight of that. Your family members, your friends, your furry kids, because what we look for, we will see. The mind will project out onto the world and then you will perceive it back, forgetting that you're the one that projected it, right? And of course in miracles, it says projection makes perception. So, so often we start with what we think we're seeing in the outside world. It comes back at us and we're like, oh, the world's a terrible place. There's no magic here. There's no beauty here. There's no goodness here. And it's like, no, the mind had already decided. So we start to do the spiritual work. We get the mind right. We shift the mind. That's the miracle. Speaking of like creating miracles and performing miracles, the miracle is a shift within our own mind from a thought system of, of fear to a thought system of love. And when we choose to see, like Mr. Rogers, my little buddy back there used to say, when scary things would happen, he would talk to his mom and she would always say, look for the helpers. Even amongst the disasters, look for the helpers, look for the people who are loving, who are serving, who are showing up, who are trying to do good. Because it's really easy to write people off, you guys. It's really easy in this day and age, right? To, to just one person makes one mistake and they just get like tossed aside. And we forget, oh, that's one of my brothers and sisters. They have a special holy shine to them too. And maybe it's my glasses that are dirty. Maybe it's my vision that needs to be cleared off. And here's another thing that's fascinating. Uh, did you know that human eyeballs don't actually see? It's the brain really that sees. I saw this thing on Humans of New York once, which if you don't follow that page, it's fascinating and I love it. And it's, it's incredible storytelling of everyday humans. And I cannot read those things without laughing or crying or smiling. Uh, I just love getting to understand the workings of other human beings, how they think, how they feel, uh, the contents of their hearts, uh, what, what, what bounces around in their minds. And I remember one time he went up to these two eye doctors. Um, he didn't know they were eye doctors. There's two guys sitting on a bench in Central Park. And he found out they were eye doctors, this photographer who runs the whole Humans of New York thing. Uh, what Humans of New York does is it basically uh, highlights a story a day of a particular person as the photographer is out walking around New York taking pictures. And it was these two men on a bench. And he said, uh, your eye doctors, tell us something that we don't know about eyes. And they said, eyes don't actually see. 
it's the brain that sees. What the eyes are are basically like shutters. They're like little windows that like take the information in, but the information goes up into the brain. And what the brain is seeing is usually based on its experiences, its past, and its memory. So the brain decides. This is why I often say to people, like we can look at something. We can look at a chair without ever having sit in it, sat in it and say, do you think that that chair will be comfortable? And just by looking at it, we don't even have to do ass in the seat. We can say, yes, it's gonna be comfortable or not. It's not gonna be comfortable. And when you say why, it's because the brain is looking at something and then it's going through, it's running its little computer and it's, it's spitting out its answer based on past events. And one of the things that happens and reasons why we lose the extraordinary in the everyday ordinary is because we are um, going into the old filing cabinets of the brain and we're competing and comparing and we're balancing, we're checking and we're going back and we're like, oh, this fucking clown, this fucking person. Like, oh yeah, I know this one. It's like, no, 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 don't lose sight. We're talking about present moment. This is why when A Course in Miracles says every time, I'm paraphrasing, but when you do not bring your past into the present, you get a new opportunity. You're reborn fresh, clean slate. But so often what we're doing is we're dragging our past into the present moment and we're almost never giving the person right in front of us a fair shot. They've already lost their shine because we're not actually dealing with the person right in front of us. We're dealing with the person that we knew at 15 or the person that we thought of at 18 or the person that we knew at 21 or the last crappy thing we thought they wrote or whatever. We don't even give people a fair shot. And so one of the greatest gifts is to actually meet people in the present moment. Who are you now? Who are you being now? Not against all like that, that ticker tape, right? That, that list of all the ways they blew it. They were shitty, they whatever. And the thing is, is because if you're doing it to other people, I can guarantee you that you're also doing it to yourself. You don't even give yourself a fighting chance to recognize your own extraordinariness. Because we're almost never, ever, and this is the power of the DSP, right? The daily spiritual practice. This is the power of the daily spiritual practice of being able to slow down the mind so it can recognize that it's actually not making choices. It's just basically doing things out of habit because it's stuck in the loop of the ego, which is the past, which is the blame, which is the shame, which is all the things, right? Keeping ourselves separate from God, from source, from spirit. Because that's where it likes to keep you. Separate, stuck, scared, alone. <laughs> so this is what I'm saying, you guys. So here, I just want you to kind of take a look around and notice if you've been doing that to your sweetie or to your husband, your wife, your girlfriend, your partner, your other, whatever you call them. Have you been kind of taking them maybe a little for granted? Have you been doing it to anybody else, friend or family? Will you just take them for granted? Oh, they'll always be there. Or, oh, they're not special. Or, oh, whatever, whatever, whatever. Out of our own scarcity or our own lack, or our own inability to extend love. Because that's what it really means when you see the extraordinary. What you're seeing is that divine spark. You're recognizing beyond just the shell, the meat puppet. And you're going like, oh, I see you. And I see what you're actually capable of. And I see this thing that you tried to create. 
And especially when somebody is genius at something and really good at something, we have this thing of when we start to perceive it as, oh, that's just easy for them. Holy Jesus. Sometimes I'll be like, do you know how long it took that person to get to a place where they can make it look easy? Do you know the time, the sweat, the hours, the sacrifice that went into that now, quote unquote, looking easy? Oh, like it doesn't count because it's easy for them. It comes natural to them, right? They were God-given talent. I'm like, oh, there might be some God-given talent, but then they worked that talent. They worked the shit out of that talent. So really, this is just an invitation to celebrate one another and to just own, own our own propensity. Is that the right word? Own our own maybe habitual way of making things. Like here's the thing, not too special. Now, we don't want to do the whole special thing. Let me be clear. I always say everybody's special and nobody's special. So if we're talking about the everybody is special, let's see what is special about everybody. Let's look for the brilliance, the genius. As A Course in Miracles says, it says, child of God, you were born to create the good, the beautiful, and the holy. Do not forget this. And yet we do. We forget it about ourselves and each other all the time. I was trying to wrap this up before my sweetie got home and the dogs went ballistic. So I'm going to wrap this up right now. <laughs> And just say, you guys, I see the extraordinary in you, right? We don't go out onto the beach and say, oh, it's just another sunset. I've seen it already. I'm over it, right? Why do you think we love to look at the stars, look at the moon, go out into the sunset, experience extraordinary art, experience extraordinary everything? It's because we are trying to have that experience of what I would call God. Anytime that we are trying to, uh, anytime that we look at a beautiful piece of art or we hear music or we read something or something that moves us, right? When, when, when a baby is born and then people just start automatically crying, it's because some part of you is remembering the experience of God. That's what I always say. And so when we look at a brother or sister and we don't acknowledge their extraordinariness, what we're also not acknowledging is the divine. So that's kind of a big deal. And I'm sorry you had to listen to them back through that whole thing. So you guys, I know that the divine lives within you. I know that there is extraordinariness within you. And I see it and I see you and I celebrate it and I cheerlead it. And I love you guys. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Wherever you go, may you leave the people, the place, the animals, the environment better than how you found it. Wherever you go, may you be a blessing. Hey, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Karen Kenny Show. <laughs> I super duper appreciate your time, friendship, and support. And look, if something that I shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours, I'd love to hear about it. So please tag me on Facebook or Instagram or IG stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days. And let me know what your favorite pot was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. -E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you want to hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review. Because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. 
And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing.